0: And this morning I want to look at the subject of the church. It's the beginning of the year, and I think there are some details about this that we need to affirm again. Um, I'm always eager. I know these are details about the church of Christ that a lot of people don't understand or want to know more about. and A lot of things that we need to remind ourselves of and why we believe and what we do, what we do. There's a reason why out here on our sign it says the church of Christ, because that's what we seek to be. We seek to be the church that we read about and we see in the scriptures. And I believe it is a wonderful thing and that we are blessed. Blessed are those who seek out the church that Jesus built. Blessed are those who seek to be a part of that. Now that church is not talking about a building, but the word church means an assembly, a congregation, a body of people. And blessed are you when you seek out that church. We're going to look a little bit more in detail into this this morning, but before we do that, I ask that you pray with me. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. We ask your blessings upon us this morning as we study your word and we look into the scriptures and we see uh, Jesus' promise to build his church and to establish it. Father, help us to seek that church out, to be a part of it, to be faithful and true to your scriptures. And help us, Father, to rightly handle what we're about to read this morning. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So as we look at the subject of, of um, the church, we see Christ's promise. And here's one of the key scriptures we read about the church. Before Christ has established the church, before it has been established by his blood, as Garland has embeddedly talked about the blood and the blood of being essential to the covenant we read jesus's promise here and he said to them but who do you say that i am and He's talking to his disciples and of course peter's the one he's always first peter speaks up simon peter you replied he says you are the christ you're the messiah you're the king we've been looking for you are the son of the living god and jesus answered him blessed are you simon bar jonah for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you So you're blessed. That's the idea. You're blessed for knowing this, for confessing this, confessing the faith in Christ. He says, flesh and blood. Man hasn't revealed this to you. He says, but my father who is in heaven. And he says, and I tell you, you are Peter. And Peter also meaning rock. And then he says, upon this rock, it's a different Greek word. On this rock, your confession of faith is. On this confession that I am the Christ and that you, Peter, have confessed that about Christ. On this rock, I will build my church. I'll build my people. My congregation will be founded on this faith, this belief that Jesus is the Christ. So fundamentally, the first thing you need if you're a part of a congregation and you're seeking to be in the church of Christ is that the church you're a part of has been built by Christ and it's built on the faith of Jesus Christ. And he says, I tell you, you are Peter on this, on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Death will not overcome it. Why? Well, there's a lot of reasons why, but one in particular, Christ resurrected from the dead, or he will after this event that we read here. And as we already know, he has accomplished that. So the gates of Hades, the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And then he says to Peter, and he also says this to his other apostles in chapter 18, he says, I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And so Peter is an essential part of it, along with the other apostles and disciples, to spread the gospel, spread the faith in the Christ, and it's the foundation of establishing the church of Christ. We see this that Jesus promised to build his church upon that confession of faith. And that confession of faith is essential. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10 says, You got to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You got to recognize who Jesus is to be saved. You got to believe it and you got to confess that faith. He also says, Paul says there in Romans 10, he says, Not only do you confess that Jesus is Lord and believe it, and confess that faith, you confess and believe. And people question this. Well, can't I be a part of a church? Because there are churches out there who believe this. Who will say, well, Jesus didn't bodily resurrect from the dead. It was a figurative thing. Uh, They weren't really seeing it. They were seeing visions. They weren't seeing Jesus actually resurrected from the dead. He was just a ghost. He was just a spirit. And yet when you go and you read the Gospels... It makes it very clear, that's not what happened. Jesus says, touch me, feel me, look at my scars. He ate with his disciples He spent time with them. The resurrection is true and it is an essential part of the church that we need to believe in. And I think it's kind of a scary thing today. That there are many churches who don't believe in the bodily resurrection of Christ. There are different churches out there. And when we could say, Well, can't we just say they're all of of Jesus Christ? There's some strange things out there that are taught among churches. There's a group out there that says Jesus was a good man and he's the Christ, but he wasn't God come in the flesh. That's what they teach and they put it forward. Is that the church of Christ? Are they confessing that Jesus is the Lord, that he's God come in the flesh? No. There's another church out there that says that God the Father had a father who had a father who had a father in, in, in re- regress, unending regress. And they believe in multiple gods. Is that the church of Christ? The belief that they believe in many gods? And start looking at scriptures. I want to be a part of the church that I read about in the Bible. And brethren, I'm not willing to compromise that. I'm not willing to give that up. I want to be a part of this church and what is believed here. Now, Ray read for us this morning from Acts chapter 20, where Paul has gathered together some church elders and he's adamantly pleading with them. He says, I would throughout these years with tears, you've seen me weep that you not be led astray, that you not be torn apart by wolves. And he says to them, you are that shepherds. You are the pastors that keep up and maintain the church. And I'm warning you wolves are coming. They're going to come individuals who are going to tear apart churches who are going to present lies and think, teach things that are wrong. And one thing that stands out to me when Paul's pleading with them is he says, God has bought the church with his blood. God bought the church with his blood. I can't think of something more costly than the blood of Jesus Christ. It's perfect and sinless. Everything that God would want in an individual, Jesus fulfilled. God could have just said, you know, the rest of y'all can, you know, I can just start all over. You can be excluded. You can go off into hell or torment. God could have done that, but he doesn't. He loves us. The Bible says he loves the world. And Christ came to save us from our sins. And he has bought us, the church, with his blood. And I think that's an amazing thing to think about. There are other things that come on as we start looking at the details of what the Bible says about the church. We see this, that Jesus is the head of the church. Jesus is the head of the church. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 22 and 23, this is what we read. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. Which is his body, the fullness of who is all in all. And to us, that might seem well. Of course, Jesus bought the church; he built the church. He's the head of it; he makes the decisions. But there are a lot of people today who don't do that. They they don't go by what Christ says. There are, there are different churches out there who abandoned that. There are churches out there that claim that they have a head on earth right now, who is like a high priest equal to God. And yet the Bible says in Hebrews that Christ is the high priest. Me is the head. So again, the question is, is that the Church of Christ? And it can't be. There are some things that are just fundamentally flawed about a number of churches that they need to reconsider. They need to go back to the Bible, and that's what we plead with the world and to all the churches and people out there who have any kind of faith in God and Jesus is to say, come on, let's go back to the Bible. Let's go to the Scriptures. Let's stick with the truth. This is what we believe. This is where we stand. That Jesus is the son of God. He is the head of the church. He built it. He established it. He makes the decisions about what we do. And Christ also says there, he says, there's one flock and one shepherd. And I think that stands out to me. I'm not going to be looking for many different churches. Ephesians 4 verse 4 says there's one body. There's one group of people. Christ is one group and he is the shepherd. He is the one who is leading. He is the, the senior pastor. Paul's, uh, Peter says that in first Peter chapter five and verse four. He says that he says that Christ is the chief pastor. And again, Peter's talking there to elders. He says, you got an, a, a shepherd over you. Make sure that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Caring for the flock, being an example to the church. When I think about the church, I think about this. The church is made up of disciples. What's it mean to be a disciple? It means to be a student and a follower of Jesus. Jesus said, and when he resurrected from the dead, he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. How do you make disciples? Well, you baptize them, and then he says, teach them to observe all things that I've commanded you. There in Matthew chapter 28, I become a a Christian. I become a disciple. As Acts 11 and verse 26 says, for the whole world, um, for the whole year, excuse me, they met with the church and taught greatly. This is Paul and in Antioch and the disciples were first called Christians there. The church, the disciples, those who follow Jesus, who've given their lives to him to obey him and follow his teachings. That makes up the church. That's who we are As, as Christians. The church is God's people. So those who are repentant, baptized believers become a part of the church. But there are people today who are saying, well, you know, I can be a disciple or I can be a a saved person without being a disciple. uh, They'll say without being a student, without being a follower, without being a part of a church, without being a part of a congregation, without studying God's word. But we see this. The church is God's people, repentant, baptized believers, living in obedient faith. I think this is a wonderful scripture here. Look here, Ephesians 2 19 22. And listen to what Paul writes. He describes the temple, I mean, describes the church as a temple. And it's not the only place. You'll see it in 2 Corinthians 6. You see it in 1 Corinthians 3. There are other verses that might be coming to your mind right now. Uh, I'm thinking about 1 Peter chapter 2. Description that the church has been built up. Because that's what Jesus said. He's going to build the church. But how is it built? What's the foundation of it? Is it based on tradition? Is it based on what denomination? What a different denomination or somebody in a headquarters somewhere is telling all the churches what to do? You know, among the churches of Christ, when we're reading the Bible, we don't have a headquarters here on earth of a group of guys who are sitting around telling us what to do. What we have is Christ as the head and we have the Word of God, the Bible, giving us the instruction. And that's all we need. And we read that here about the church being that temple and look at its foundation. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. You're part of God's household. He's talking to the Gentiles here, different ethnicities of people coming together into one body. To form the household of God. You're built on the foundation. What foundation? Of the apostles and prophets. He doesn't say you're built on the foundation of archbishops and ancient writers. Or a council out in some other place in the world who's making decisions. He says you're built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. In the cornerstone. Just as prophesied. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together, it's all fitted together. And as we read elsewhere in Scripture, we are the stones that make up that holy temple, that grows into a holy temple in the Lord, it says here in the Scripture. In Him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. God, by His Holy Spirit, dwells within His church. It's an amazing thing to think about. When I think about the idea of Christ building His church, To me, I think the simplest answer is, is I want to follow Jesus to his church. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to listen to what he says. I'm going to read the scriptures. I'm going to see what Jesus has said. That's what I want to obey. The church in the beginning. What did the church of Christ look like in the beginning? Look with me in Acts chapter 2 here. i got the scripture on the screen and here Peter's been preaching on the day of Pentecost. You remember when the church was established and he preaches about the death, the and resurrection of Christ. And he uses scripture and prophecy and he talks about the empty tomb. And they come to believe and they say, what shall we do? And Peter says, repent and be baptized every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And we keep reading here, and we found out a little bit more about what happens. Verse 40. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. And so those who received the word, those who received the word, those who believed it, what did they do? They didn't say, Well, we believe it. And they said, Well, okay, we'll see you later. That was it. No, he goes on further and he says, and they were baptized. The the immediate response of people who believed in the scriptures and who joined the church was that they were baptized. Immediately. You even have an example in Acts chapter 16 of the jailer, Philippian jailer and his household being baptized in midnight in the middle of the night. Because it was that important that they did it immediately. It says, so those who received the word were baptized and they were added that day about three thousand souls. Three thousand people were added to the church. Who added them? Was there a vote? No. We don't read about that in the scriptures. What we do read in the scriptures is that the Lord adds. You go down a little bit further there in Acts chapter two and look at verse forty seven. It says the Lord added them to the church. Those who were baptized. God does the adding. There's no voting on that. If you believe and you confess your faith and you repented of your sins, you can be baptized and rise up to live in newness of life. And you're a part of the church. And then we keep reading here. What did these disciples do? What did the church do in the beginning? And I love this. Acts 2 and verse 42 says this. And they were devoted. And they devoted themselves. They were committed. And as I think about this new year, I hope that we get back to that. And a lot of people who have kind of drifted away. A lot of things to discourage you in in 2020 from people from being devoted to Jesus and being devoted to his plan. So they were devoted themselves to what? To the apostles' teaching. There it is again. The foundation of the church is what the apostles wrote, what they put in the New Testament scriptures. And those 27 books that we study and we follow as our guidance. And so they devoted themselves to that teaching and then to fellowship. To sharing with one another. Of being together in communion. And it says here, into the breaking of bread, or the breaking of the bread, as it says in the Greek, emphasizing the Lord's Supper that we read about in 1 Corinthians 10, number 16, as it's called, the breaking of the bread. And then we see it in prayers. They were praying together. And you keep reading there in Acts chapter 2, and they had a favor with all the people. They did good. I want to see that. And I know many ways we've seen it. We're, we're part of the church of Christ. And we're able to see wonderful things that happen um, as we endeavor to be the church that we read about in the Bible and in the scriptures. That we have devoted ourselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship and to prayer and to the Lord's Supper. That's why we don't we don't take the Lord's Supper every you know, few months or quarterly or once a month. We do it like we read about in the Bible and we take it every first day of the week. Acts 20 and verse 7. We want to be the church that we read about in the Bible. Now, I wish I could stand up here and say everybody who claims to be a church is a part of the church of Christ. I just can't say that. There are a number of churches that teach things that are contradictory to Jesus and they do things that contradict what the apostles and prophets and what Jesus taught in the Bible. There are some out there that I can't you know it's I mean it's not my judgment to make where they stand but there there are churches that are very questionable I read about some of them in the Bible. I read about first Corinthians remember the church at Corinth they had a ton of problems the way they worshiped was kinda of skewed their beliefs about Jesus's resurrection weren't right they allowed sin to go on in the congregation they were willing to sue one another in the same church they had a lot of problems but in first corinthians chapter three paul says you're still of christ repent i think about and i know i'm getting ahead of myself i'm thinking about revelation revelation chapter two and three you remember the seven churches of asia you remember what jesus said to them five of them he says you repent Or I'm going to take your blessing away from you. You're not going to be saved anymore. You're no longer going to be a church of Christ unless you repent. And many churches, again, need to hear that message. Need to listen to what Jesus says and be willing to repent. I want you to look at this here. These are um, four core beliefs of what churches, often what we call today evangelical churches. That we believe, and they come from the Bible. And so a lot of people might say, well, what do the churches of Christ believe? You are a kind of, you know, you, you seem like a peculiar people. What do you believe? Well, we do need people to understand. We believe these core things that are taught very clearly in the Bible. We believe in God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit make up the Godhead, that they are God. One being in three persons. We believe... In the gospel is the death, the barren resurrection of Jesus Christ and that Jesus resurrected bodily from the dead. And that shapes what we believe when Christ comes back as well, that we will be resurrected. We believe that the scriptures are inerrant. They have no error in them. They're infallible. They cannot go wrong. And that they're all sufficient for everything that we need. There are few churches out there that believe this. But we believe that. And conservative churches, I have to respect that. And I'm encouraged by that when I hear of other churches who believe these things because they're right there in the Bible. And we believe salvation by grace through faith because that's what the Bible says. We are saved by faith. We are saved by God's grace. And I put an asterisk on it because some people will say, wait a minute. How can you say that when you believe what the you believe baptism saves you? Well, we, be, we believe both of them because Ephesians says we are saved by grace through faith. And we believe what Peter said when he says baptism now saves you. And we believe what Jesus said when Jesus says whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. There's no compromise in there. There's no contradiction. They're at harmony. As I've been studying a lot on baptism recently and looking over it again, and as many of us do, baptism is isn't a work that we do. It's something that we submit ourselves to. It's a perfect representation that God's doing the work in our burial and our rise to a new life in the hope of a resurrection. So we share these core beliefs. You might be able to improve on this next list here. And I would like to hear it. Here are four things that make the churches of Christ distinct. And I think we need to be reminded of it, specific when we're talking to others. And encouraging those in other churches. As noted. We believe in salvation and forgiveness. Is through baptism. That's what the Bible teaches. There's too many scriptures. For us to give up. Or to set that aside. That's what the Bible says. We believe. That our pastors are our elders. I'm not a pastor. I'm a minister. I'm a servant to the church. Our elders here. Garland. And Ray and Richard are our pastors. They're our shepherds. They're our elders. They're the ones who lead us. And as the Bible says and teaches that male leadership, that men are to lead. And these are to be men of one wife. We believe that and we teach it. But there are a lot of churches today on these first two things. In fact, I can't think of um, I might be able to think of one other body of people out there that believes. What is up here? But besides that, there is no other um, brotherhood, church, anything. It looks like what we're reading right here, which is the church of Christ, what we read about in the Bible. Uh, thirdly, we worship together as a congregation. Our worship is congregational. We don't have a choir. We don't have a praise team. Because when we read in the Bible, we see the church singing together and speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Everything is congregational. Congregational. In Romans chapter 15, and as I recall verse 6, it says they spoke in, with their voices together as one mouth in harmony. And that demonstrated their unity. And it's so important that churches today go back to that. And there has been a movement among a number of churches um, to go back to congregational worship. We do things as a congregation. We pray together, and we take the Lord's Supper together, and we give together, and we study God's Word together, and we sing together so important and we do it without any man-made additions as god asked us to sing he wanted our voices over anything else and fourthly here the communion as noted before our, our the lord's supper it's in the assembly we gather together to do it on the first day of the week as the bible instructs us to i encourage you this morning remember who we are be loyal to the church that christ has built Be a part of it. Share with others. You you might have some in your family and those that you love and friends. Be able to tell them what the difference is. There's the church of Christ in the Bible that we want to be. We want to bear the name of Christ. That's why we say that. That's why I'm not a church of Christ preacher or church of Christ Christian. I'm a Christian I'm a biblical New Testament Christian. All I have to do is say I'm a Christian because I don't have to say I'm a Catholic Christian or a Baptist Christian because I don't read about those other types of Christians in the Bible. I just read about pure, mere Christianity, which is that I am a Christian. I'm a disciple of Christ. That's who we are. And we don't have to be anything else. And Christ didn't tell us to be anything else. The churches of Christ... But we're committed to being the church that Christ built. and Let's not give that up. Let's hold to that. It's a beautiful for us to believe. It's what makes us unique. And we want all of those who believe like us to do the same. Now, as we think about this and we think about the number of churches out there and different believers, I want to leave you with this passage here. It might not seem like something that would be directly connected when you're starting studying about the church that Christ built but I want you to pay attention to it 1 John chapter 1 7 through 10 John says but if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship with one another that's fellowship with God that tells me something as a Christian I need to walk in the light as a body, as a congregation we need to walk in the light to be in fellowship with God and every other body of believers out there who are going to have the forgiveness of Christ must walk in the light. Because it's only by walking in the light, as we read right here, in the blood of Jesus, the Son cleanses us from all sins. And so someone might say, what about this church and that one? Are they walking in the light? Are they following the teachings of Christ? He goes on here, John says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So he also says this, you cannot go around saying, oh, I'm sinless, we're perfect. No, you're not going to find a perfectly sinless church. Because we've all, in here, we've all sinned. There's no perfect congregation. But we will do this. Even though we sin, we're going to walk in the light. And he says, and if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if we say we have, no, have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. I encourage you this morning, if you have sin, that you have struggled with, that you repent from it, that you come back, that you walk in the light, that you be a part of the body of God's people, a part of the church that Christ bought with his blood. God loves you. Jesus loves you. And they don't want you to perish. And God says he wants none to perish, but that all come to repentance. This morning, if you need to repent, we encourage you to come forward and do that. and We'll pray with you. If you need to obey the gospel this morning, we encourage you to look at passages like Colossians chapter 2 that tells us by God's grace. It is by God's own working that we, when we're baptized, all of our sins are washed away. Not some of them, not a few of them. All of your sins can be washed away this morning if you put on Christ and baptism. Whatever your needs are, we encourage you to come right now.